Welcome to The Determined Mom Show, the only marketing podcast dedicated to guiding mom CEOs into tranquility, wealth, and multiplying those precious moments. Welcome to this episode of The Determined Mom Show. I have a very special guest, Yeve Sabanda, and she is the owner of Felisa creative. And she is also an author and she has written a book and you can tell us all about that, but welcome Yave. Thank you so much, Amanda. I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah. I'm very excited to have you. Let's talk about you, what you do. I know you do something completely different during the day than you do as far as an author goes. So there's like two different hats that you're wearing there, but definitely tell us about you and how you got started and what you're doing and how you got started and decided to write a book. Absolutely. Yeah. I am a mom. I am an attorney and I'm an author. And as you said, the founder of Pilisa Creatives and I view it all as kind of interrelated because at the heart of it, I am a creative. My job requires me, my day job requires me to be very creative. Being a mom, you know, there's a lot of creativity involved there. And then of course, with um, my business and my book, hundred percent, you know, creative and what inspired me to start the business and to write a book really was uh, my daughter. She was the inspiration behind starting it. And my book is titled my first book of Shona and Debele words. And I have a copy here and I know that our guests and listeners cannot, cannot see it, but you can. So there it is. And it's my first book of Shona and Debele words. And those are the two primary languages spoken in Zimbabwe, which is where my husband and I are originally from, um, and the two languages that we speak in our household. And so we knew that we wanted to expose and teach our daughter these languages when we found out we were having a child. And um, I decided to write my own book because I hadn't found anything that was the quality that I wanted and that was like engaging and fun in the way that I wanted it to be. So I created my own book and set off on this path thinking, you know, I'll just write this book. Really, I have now embarked on, I I would call it like a movement, uh, a little Renaissance movement, bringing to life African stories, Black stories, just centering stories where children like my daughter who often are not represented in literature can see themselves and a positive story about Africa about Zimbabwe where too often you know the narrative has been one-sided and monolithic and so all of these reasons kind of spurred me to do this and to to start this you know continue with this like I call it like I said a movement right so yeah That's really it in a nutshell. (laughs) That's awesome. I love the movement and I love everything that you're doing. I think it's amazing that you've taken that initiative. And instead of just saying, oh, I wish there was something out there for my daughter, you created it. And I think we as parents kind of need to kind of shift our mindset into that. Like if there isn't something, we can find the solution. We can create it because there's other people out there that need it as well. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for being an inspiration to us all. Oh, thank you for your kind words. Yeah, I um, I think, you know, as parents, we're probably doing this, especially moms, <laughs> doing this a lot. It's just not, uh, it's just on a different scale. So yeah, I'm really, really excited about it. And um, now that I've 
kind of started, I, I recognize that there's so much more out there that, you know, needs to be created. So I look forward to doing that. Yeah, definitely. And I want to get into our topic, which is, you know, what is the importance of having your children know different languages, learn different languages, and especially like in your case, and also in my case, having them have that cultural tie to their, their roots, their ancestry, and not losing that. Oh yeah. That's such an important topic. Um, one that is very close to my heart, of course. And I think in the society we live in, it's almost just imperative that you know another language, right? And so, yeah, let's get, let's get into it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you are from Zimbabwe, which obviously is in Africa and everybody in the United States tends to think is Africa is a country and not a, and not like its own continent. And they don't necessarily separate the, the different countries, but every African country has many cultures within it. And the interesting thing about you and your husband is that you both speak a different native language. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So as you rightly said, you know, Zimbabwe, like most, and I think every African country has multiple languages, multiple cultures within it. And two primary ones are Shona and Ndebele. And they are both Bantu languages. And so they're very much related to other Bantu languages like Swahili, uh, Zulu, etc. And my husband is one of these people I'm so like envious of because he can speak both Shona and Ndebele. And I only speak Shona, but I am learning Ndebele. Um, and I had to learn to write this book. Um, yeah. You know, learning it very quickly, and I love it. And I wish I had had an opportunity growing up to do the same. And so, essentially, the languages are so closely related that the way I've been able to learn is because I can hear words that sound similar in Debele that are similar to Shona. And so I can like piece it together. And then also, like, your ear, I think once you speak another language, like your ear is just trained to pick up on certain things. And so even when I was at the very early stages of my Debele language learning journey, like I could pick up certain things just because like certain words, you know, like the, the, the way it's said or the context, like you can just kind of like pick up what's being said. Right. And so I feel as though certainly having one language, like if I only spoke English, it would, I think, be much harder for me to learn Debele. And because I speak Shona, I think it's been easier for me to learn Debele. And I like to joke around with my husband. It's not a joke. It's actually true. Like I'm self-taught because, you know, what happens, I think sometimes is like, when your spouse speaks another, or your partner speaks another language, like they don't have patience to teach you, you know, they like, he expects me to like, say it perfectly, like the first time. And I'm like, no, you have to slow down. And, you know, <laughs> and yes. he doesn't have the patience for me. And so I am self-taught. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's really such a blessing that we speak the two primary languages and we can kind of teach our daughter these languages. And we have made it a point to, really celebrate both languages as much as, you know, the two, the Shona and Debele tribes have a fractured history. We have made it a point to celebrate both languages. I mean, my daughter has both a Shona and Debele name. We just love speaking the languages and and we love the fact that we can 
do that and have multilingualism in our household. It's just, it's a blessing. That is a huge blessing. And we have a similar situation in our household where my husband actually speaks four languages because he has his native language of Bamilake. And then he has French, which is the national language of Cameroon. Then he has English. And then he also has Spanish because he spent a lot of time in Mexico. And so it's very interesting. Obviously we don't really use the Spanish too much um, in the house, but I do use the French when I'm communicating with my in-laws and I am also self-taught. So there's often times like his mom, I just talked to her on mother's day and she was like, is Bertrand home? Like, where is he? Like, cause she wanted to tell me more, but I couldn't understand the more that she wanted to tell me. So, you know, self-taught is definitely interesting. And they, the people that you're talking to do not understand that you need to be slow about it for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> Please yeah. speak slower. So yeah, I completely yeah. understand that. And so what do you feel are the most important things for children to learn other languages? Like if you're a parent and you're listening to this, how do you select that language? First of all, I know a lot of our listeners might not have a language other than English that they can kind of lean back on. Like you have, you know, Shona and Debele. Yeah, I think, you know, if you don't have a natural language that you can select to, to be the language you teach your kids, then I think it just, you know, depends on your locale. Like, you know, do you live in a place where Spanish is, is, is spoken broadly? Do you live in a place where French is spoken broadly? Do you have, uh, you know, desire to travel to Germany or whatever? Like you just yeah. decide on the language that you want. Right. And then even if it's not a mainstream language and by mainstream, I mean like a language where if you easily, like found an app or like Googled, you can find this language, right? It's more of the quote unquote, like Western languages, right? Like right. Spanish, French, German, right? Those are like mainstream languages that like you, you can find easily. Even if it's not a mainstream language, I think the benefit of teaching your child or exposing them to another language is culture is communicated through language. So for example, my book, even though it's Shonen Derele, words, even if you don't speak Shona and Debele, in fact, most of my customers and readers are not Shona and Debele speakers, but the book conveys a lot of things just by you possessing the book and you reading the book, right? So one thing, through looking at the different words, so here's a scene I'll share with you because you can see it. So it's a picture book, right? And you can see that there's a picture and then there's words associated with the picture, right? Yeah. And as you go through the words, you recognize, oh my gosh, like one, Sean and Debele are very similar. And then two, you're like, oh, they also have a word for X, Y, Z or whatever. You know what I mean? And so I think just the exposure opens up your mind to, opens up children's minds, especially who are like sponges and who are so smart. Like it just gives them another frame of reference, you know? Yeah. And I think. We know already that children and people who speak another language have like, I don't, I don't even know how to say it scientifically, but like they just have extra brain capacity, right? Like yeah. to be able to do other things that are even unrelated to language. So, you know, solve problems, all of that. And I think communication is just such a key thing. And it's one of the primary things that 
teach our children, right? From the minute they're born is we're trying to communicate with them. And so giving them another way to communicate, even if it's just like three words or whatever, you know, like that's just opening up the door for a level of interest in your child that can only serve them well. Like what is the harm, you know? Yeah, Um, definitely. So really, I think there's no right answer into the language that you select. Choose one, choose multiple, you know? And I always say, it's not about trying to achieve fluency. Like I don't expect anyone to pick up my book and become a Shona and Debele expert. You know, I'm not even aiming for fluency with my daughter because the reality is she lives in a place where English is the primary mode of communication, right? And so it's just exposure. Exposure so that when she travels, when she goes back to Zimbabwe and visits her family, like when she is talking on the phone with family, like she can pick up words and she can communicate. That's what I want. And I want her to have an interest to learn more if she wants to, to be interested in the food and the places and the country, all of that. And that appreciation will lead to appreciation for other languages and other cultures, right? So that is the goal at the end of the day. And so however you achieve that goal is fine. I love that answer. That was the best answer I've ever heard for any question (laughs) that I've asked on the podcast. (laughs) Oh, thank (laughs) you. It really is important and it really does plant seeds. Like I grew up in the middle of nowhere in rural Pennsylvania and literally like a language was just something that you had to do. You know what I mean? Like it was just like a horrible agonizing class that you had to sit through and try to pass Yeah, (laughs) like for everyone in our school, because it was, there was no culture in our school whatsoever. Yeah. And if I had been exposed to those things, and if I had been exposed to other people and other cultures and other languages at a young age, I think my life would be totally different. I think that's a really good, good point that you bring up there. You know, it's interesting though, that you say that, because look at you now, like you are living in a multilingual household, you know, despite that, right? So it's kind of interesting and funny that you ended up a man from Cameroon who speaks French, English, Spanish, and Babanike, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. I think that there is, there's a long journey that got me here, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And that's a whole nother story, but definitely, you know, I just love culture and learning about different countries. And I know I don't know a lot about Zimbabwe. I know a lot of different people from many different countries in Africa, but I don't have any close friends that are from Zimbabwe that I can say, I know a lot about your culture, but I do know a lot about another, a lot of different countries. So I think it's very interesting that Zimbabwe seems to be one of the few countries that hasn't been, hasn't adopted the colonial language. Well, I mean, English is the mode of communication. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) It is. So the British colonized Zimbabwe and English is the mode of communication. However, we also, what at least when I was growing up and I grew up in a Shona speaking part of the country. And so we learned Shona as well in school. And then in the Debele speaking part of the country, they learned Debele. I do think though, unfortunately, what's happened, and this is not just a problem in Zimbabwe, but what, what's happened and what is happening right now, it seems as though I think with the advent of like technology, social media, all of that, like the emphasis on 
the importance of learning, you know, local and native languages is, is dying even in Zimbabwe, even on the continent, you know, and I hear from teachers in Zimbabwe who I consult regularly, like, you know, for my, for my work, for my book, is that like the national exam passage rate in the local language, local languages, so Shonandibele is like declining, declining annually, because perhaps parents are not emphasizing as much like the importance of that but also I think because like I just said you know technology and all of that right like it doesn't take anything now for you to watch whatever I'm watching here in the U.S. even though you're based in another country like it doesn't take anything it's a simple click right Um, music all of that right and so yeah I think it's a combination of that and I and I also you know this might be controversial but I also think that for so long we were taught and told that our own languages, our own way of doing things was not right. And I think this movement I'm talking about is a slow resurgence of like the belief that actually our languages matter, our culture matters, and it's important for us to preserve and to celebrate and to teach. And I say it's controversial because what I'm, what I'm saying, I'm not saying that Africans don't or Zimbabweans don't celebrate their culture they don't speak their languages no I do think that there is a mindset that needs to be overcome and that mindset is that English or French or whatever the colonizers language is like that is form of if you speak that that is like a level that shows that you're intelligent or that is better or whatever you know there is that mindset and I think there is work to do to kind of really break free from those kind of shackles, you know? And shackles is definitely the appropriate word because it's basically people coming in and telling you what to do with everything that you know, and it's not okay. It is definitely a huge topic and it needs to be addressed. And I'm glad that you're addressing it and teaching your daughter those values is only going to make it come up and then she's going to be able to teach her children and her children, you know, like it's just going to keep the languages alive because eventually if things keep continuing the way they are, the languages, the tribal languages can be extinct, you know, and that's like, that loses so much of the tradition and the culture. And I mean, that's just not okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So doing my small part, (laughs) one book at a time. (laughs) I love it. So do you have any other tips for parents that are looking to get their children involved in a language? Or I know in our school district, we just did an information session last week to learn about our school district. And they offer, I think, Spanish and German. That's like it. They don't offer any other languages until they get to high school. So in middle school, they have the option. They have like two options, which I think are... Okay, but like, can we broaden that a little bit? So do you have any resources or knowledge of different language resources or tips or tricks or anything like that for parents? Yeah, again, going to like social media and technology, the beauty of it is that you literally can access anyone who's anywhere in the world, right? And so on my social media page, I am connected to a number of language tutors who teach not just like African native languages, but so many different languages. So I think 
whatever language you want to learn, there's probably someone there, someone online who can teach it, you know? And so I would say consult social media. Google may be limited in that it might not get you into like all the search functions that you could, if you were on, let's say Instagram. And I'm really thinking of Instagram when I'm thinking of this, because that's where I've seen a lot of language curators and cultural curators. So that's one. I think the language that you want, whatever it might be, is on there. And now with us all kind of realizing that, you know, we can do video calls with anyone Mm -hmm. (laughs) across the world and that's okay. Like they're doing, people are doing language lessons with people in different countries. You know, I know a number of people who have enrolled in language courses and the tutors are in another country. And so that's definitely doable and feasible. You just have to look for it and find the language that you want. And then I think, for example, if you are a multilingual or bilingual household already, and you're trying to figure out, because I think there's two different people that we're talking to. There's people who are trying to find a language and English is their base, or they have, let's just, let's just assume English is the base, right? So there's that's there's that, and they're trying to find another language that they don't speak. Then there's people who are already multilingual, bilingual, and they're trying to teach their children find ways to teach their children the language. I am probably more, more, uh, what's the word? Have more experience with the latter category because obviously I am bilingual myself, right? And so for those people, I would say, you know, it's not too late. It's never too late to teach your children your language. And really teaching makes it sound more intimidating than it should be. Think it's exposure you know, and exposure can happen in so many different ways. It could be depending on the age of your child. Uh, My daughter is two and a half. So like when we're walking down the steps, for example, we count in different languages and we count in French and Spanish and Shona and Debele and English. When we're outside and we're looking at various things, you know, we point and we say the, you know, and so we, that's what we've been doing with her from a very young age. And so she hears these other languages. It gets harder the older they get and the more English exposure they get. Like my daughter is two and a half, but she's in daycare. And obviously she's now hearing English for the majority of her day. And so now we're at a point where you will, we will talk and we'll say something and she'll now argue with me. She's also at the point where she's very opinionated. (laughs) Love the (laughs) two-year-old. Oh yeah. She'll argue with me and say, no, that's not the word. And she'll tell me the English word. And I'm like, no, that's the word that we use. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's the word, the word is yes. The word is whatever, you know, Google, let's say Google is grandmother in Shona and in Debele, but it's also used in Shona. And that's the word we use for her grandma, but she'll say grandma now. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, exactly. She'll say grandma because she's hearing this at school, right? And so, and at school, I mean, they're not, they're not going to be teaching. They're going to be teaching in English, right? Yeah, 100%. We've given them the heads up that, hey, she speaks multiple languages. And so like, she says a word like, you know, just know that it's not wrong, but like, that's the word that she knows. But she's at this point where she's like trying to uh, assert herself and very opinionated. And so she'll argue with me and say, no, grandma. And I'm like, no, grandma is the word in English, but the word we use is Google. Yes. That's that's the language we speak, you know? And so it's hard to negotiate and try and like explain that to a two and a half year old. But 
I, I know that it's, it's a phase. And I think the older the kids get, it can be even more challenging, right, to infuse that. And I think that's where you have to get creative. You have to employ, if you need to employ tutors, if you need to, you know, there's now a, a steady, I would say, stream of animations in Shona or Ndebele, you know, and get the kids to watch that, you know. Yeah. If they're older, look for different materials that you can you can use for them to to get exposure and i think as long as you're flexible and as long as you recognize that it's a journey it's not going to happen overnight and you may encounter things like what i'm encountering where like they'll resist at some point because they're learning english more like that's okay you know it's all part of the process and as long as you make learning the language fun i think you can't go wrong and you'd be surprised like they absorb a lot, kids do. And so my my daughter always surprises us because we'll think, oh, maybe, you know, she didn't get it or whatever. But then she'll like repeat or she'll respond. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe a couple of days later or even if she's in her like this phase of like, okay, English versus all these other languages when we speak to her and Shonao and Debele, she'll, we'll tell her to do something and she'll do it. You know, she might not speak back because yeah. I think she's trying to process, okay, what's happening now, you know, because at school I'm learning English. But, but that's amazing. Understands. Isn't that yeah. amazing for her brain though? I mean, to be able oh, to yeah. think language is such a, for me, it's so compartmentalized because I have to think, okay, am I French or is it English or is it, you know, but for her, it's going to be all blended into one magical yeah. pot. I think that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, no, I think it's amazing as well. And I'm I'm not at the stage of looking at schools, like public schools yet or anything like that. However, I am thinking about as she is turning three and like, how do we get her like a more consistent exposure? So trying to find exposure to some of the languages that we're teaching her, how do we do that? And so that's kind of my, my latest <laughs> research. Yeah. That's awesome. I love those tips. And what is your Instagram handle? So that way we can follow you. Oh yeah. It's at pelisacreatives.com. And Pelisa is Felisa. If you, if you're looking at it, it's like Phil, mm-hmm. P-H-I-L-I-S-A creatives, but it's Debele. And so the H is silent and my Instagram will take you to the website. The website is pelisacreatives.com. I've got Instagram, Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. And we'll share all those links in the show notes too. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So that's where you can find me. So you can buy my book. You can also buy the book on Amazon. Now it's available on Amazon. Um, That's great. Awesome. And where do you make more money from Amazon or from this is, this is a totally legit question because I support as many authors as I can. So is it better to buy the book directly from you, which I think is the answer or Amazon? Okay. <laughs> it is it is better to buy it directly from my website. And you know, now that I, I used to have, I'm probably gonna ease up on this a little bit, but I used to only do mail out the books like on a two-week schedule because of COVID and stuff like that. Now I'm probably gonna ease up a little bit and maybe make it like a weekly thing. That's so great. especially now that Amazon is in the picture, like obviously Amazon is gonna give you like prime next day. You know, yeah. I can't I can't compete with Amazon. I'm not trying to. But yeah, it is I, I make more money 
when you buy it directly from my site. But you know what I just I just want people to buy the book, whatever means that is. And I've also got the ebook available. So Kindle, whatever e platform that you use, you can also buy it there. Basically trying to make it as accessible as possible to everyone around the world. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Yave, for being here. I appreciate it. And I've loved our conversation and I look forward to supporting you in whatever you do in the future. Thank you so much, Amanda. This has been awesome. I um, have really enjoyed talking with you. I'm so glad we connected and yes. I look forward to, to, you know, maybe collaborating, working together, whatever it is. I look forward to remaining connected and supporting you as well. I love what you are doing. Keep doing it. And thank you for being an inspiration and just a light. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, have a great week, everyone. This episode of the Determined Mom Show is brought to you by Google Growth Generator. This 21-day email course will help you learn to optimize your Google My Business listing in the same way that we do for our clients here at TDM Marketing. Our client, a baby sleep specialist, got 126.32% more website visits in the first month after her optimization was completed. Another client, a chiropractic practice, got 26.67% more phone calls in the first month after optimization was completed. And finally, our client, who is a residential cleaning service, got 61.11% more website visits in the first month after optimization. If you're not sure if Google My Business optimization is for you, listen to what Kristen Ratten from Kristen Ratten Content Services had to say about her optimization. I hired Amanda to optimize my Google My Business listing and within 10 days, my views were up 150%. This may be one of the most valuable things I've ever done for my business. And Amanda made it quick, easy, and painless. If you are ready to get started with your Google My Business optimization, go over to gomybusiness.com. That's G-O, mybusiness.com forward slash growth.